Welcome to a Longer Table podcast, a space for real and sometimes hard conversations that will often challenge your perspective and always empower you to pull up more seats around your own table. I'm your host, Amanda Carpenter. Let's dive in. I have Neil back on the podcast today. You guys loved my episode with him. It was called, What is a Life Plan? What is Life Plan? But the funny thing is that Neil is so much more than just a life plan facilitator to me personally that I wanted him to speak to just the wisdom he has as a husband, as a father. And so we kind of went down um, and tried to cover a multitude of things. However, I know that in addition to appreciating those bits of wisdom he gave, you guys wanted to know more about the actual life plan, what it is, um, what the experience is like. And just uh, a lot of you were very interested because you knew how much value it um provided for my life. So that's what we're going to do today is just talk for uh, the next 40-ish minutes about life plans. So Neil, welcome back to a Longer Table podcast. Thanks, Amanda. I'm glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So people might think that life plan is something you created and you just like launched this as a business, but that's not the actual story. So I want you to start telling us what is life plan and where did it come from? How did you discover it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and I think the context and story behind it um, is actually pretty cool. Um, I, I came uh, to Life Plan about eight years ago. And uh, I came to it because somebody took me through Life Plan. So I actually got to personally experience it, which, which became part of my interest and in why I decided to do this. Uh, but I'd love to share the story of where it came from. So um, there's, a, there's a man by the name of Tom Patterson. And Tom Patterson actually passed away at the end of last year at 94 years old. And he was a a strategist and an engineer and an inventor. And probably the best way I could describe Tom is he was a unique mind of a generation. Mm. So he was just this really um, unique man. And his contributions to the world, not just to his little pocket of work, but actually to the world, It's just a laundry list. So I'll name a few to highlight. Tom uh, worked with Roy and Walt Disney uh, back in the 50s and 60s, and he helped engineer Space Mountain. So for any, yeah, so for anyone listening to this that's experienced that ride, he actually helped engineer it. And he helped Roy and Walt figure out the process between the rise in the kind of creative dream that Walt had as the dreamer, Roy was more operational and he helped them figure out how to make the dream a reality with the process that was needed between the telecommunications of the day when someone shows up in the parking lot to the rides themselves. So everything we now know as Disney World, Tom helped them figure out and clarify the right process that made it all a reality. Um, And there's some cool stories of how that all came to be, but that's one contribution. Uh, He worked with NASA. He worked with, um, on the first camcorder, there were some contributions there. He was good friends with Peter Drucker. And for some, uh, that name may be familiar. He was, he's probably one of the top, Peter Drucker is one of the top uh, business thinkers of the last century. He wrote the book on management and Peter Drucker and Tom were good friends. And President Reagan sent Tom Patterson and Peter Drucker and a few others over to China. And they worked with the Chinese government and helped open them up to the global economy. Wow. So So Tom's kind of a big deal. 
Tom's kind of a big deal. And uh, I'm going to tell you one more story that we still use today that we're all impacted by. Tom was sitting on the steps of Stanford um, and it was a Sunday. So banks were closed. He didn't have any cash on him and he was hungry. So he didn't have any cash to pay for the food and banks were closed. So he couldn't get any cash out. So therefore, what do you do? It's not a problem we deal with today. And Tom was like, this is silly. And he sketched out what became the ATM pin technology. Wow. So Tom's actually the inventor on the patent um, for what we still use today as the ATM pin technology. So Peter Drucker said of Tom that Tom was the greatest process thinker in the world. Mm. And from all these experiences, Tom actually worked with a whole bunch of companies and walked them through a organizational side of his process called Stratop. And a CEO said, Tom, this is so helpful for my company, but I need this for my life. Mm. And so it sent Tom on this journey to say, could we actually discover purpose and clarify the right purpose and plan for our life? And Tom was um, a Christian. And so part of the roots of this does come out of his understanding of the Bible and scripture and where God talks about having a purpose and a plan for your life. And he just said, why can't we discover it if that's true? And so from that, Tom created uh, the life plan process. And I was around Tom um, about uh, the last five years. They would hold an annual gathering, this company, Patterson Center, who holds the IP for this process. And they brought the top 20 facilitators out to this annual gathering. And I had the privilege of being invited into that group. And Tom Patterson was there. And with tears running down his face as he looked around the room, never thinking his process would go beyond himself. He just said, I, you have to understand something. And he said, I know and believe that God gave me this process. And he was referring to the life plan process. And so I think there's a piece of this that was given, which is part of why it feels so sacred. Um, but also from just a brilliant man in which it you know, was delivered to the world through. Um, and so that's really the kind of origins of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so uh, helpful and so meaningful because to be honest, there's a lot of coaching programs and different things that exist mm -hmm. today that people are creating and they're, they're probably wonderful. I mean, I have no doubt. Um, but this has started to prove, I mean, not started, it has so far stood the test of time. It's uh, only continued to grow into a bigger thing. And, and, and we're going to get into how impactful it really is. Um, I know it's significantly impacted my life and yours. Obviously, yeah. you went through the process and out of that became um, a certified or however you want to put it, life plan facilitator. So I want to talk about um, really why your life plan led you to do that and, and why for someone like me, it gave me the same gift that it gave you, but yeah. the result of that was much different. Like for me, I'm not called yes. to do this work for other people. Um, I'm just curious if you briefly would speak to how did you come out of yours knowing like, this is what I meant to do? Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a great and really insightful question, uh, Amanda, because it highlights the through line or the like similarity of what we both got out of the process, which was the clarity of our calling. It was the clarity of the unique purpose on our life. And I think one of the key insights within life plan that gets discovered from the two days spent is, um, is the clarity first of God given talents and then the clarity of heart. And I want to speak to both of those for just a minute. 
Yeah, please. Um, and the and the reason why it's so impactful on the God-given talents, somebody would say, you mentioned there's other programs, other things out there. Well, you know, most people have taken a lot of personality assessments, um, Strengths Finders, Myers Briggs, Enneagram, Disc. I mean, you go down the list, there's more, you know, there's dozens more. What Life Plan does, I believe, in that space through even just the facilitation of it is it captures the uniqueness. So in Strength Finder, strat, strategic is my number one. I've met other people who have strategic in their top five, but it's defined the exact same way. Well, that's a lot different than a talent, God-given talent, core talent in Life Plan that got defined as a prophetic guide. That from the insights I'm given, I lead people to clarity and breakthrough. Well, that's a lot different than just saying I'm strategic and defining it the same way as you would with anybody else. So we have to understand our God-given talents and the uniqueness of them, which we capture. And then hearts are some of these questions that, just to be honest, we're almost too busy to entertain. Yeah. Right? Like we don't wake up every day going, what is it I deeply care about? What is it that I'm dreaming about and want to see different in the world? Like, what would people say about me at my funeral? Like some of these like deeper questions that even as I pose that, I'm sure people will hear those questions and it creates a little conviction. Right? Like yeah. I know for me it does, where when I hear that, I'm like, oh, I, when was the last time I stopped and thought about if I, if I keep living the way I'm living today, what are people going to say at my funeral? Yet I deeply care about the legacy I leave. So it just, um, it has us, really reflect on and spend time with those questions. And then here's here's the key. Tom said, it's at the intersection of your God-given talents and heart mm-hmm. is where you find your calling. Repeat that again. It's at the intersection. It's at the intersection of your God-given talents and heart where we find our calling. Mm-hmm. And so without the insight of each of those things, we're going to miss the insight on calling. And so I believe that these assessments Although helpful, and I would call them really insightful clues, they don't capture the uniqueness of who you are. In Life Plan, we do that, and then therefore we can actually get beyond just a mission statement we think is cool, but something that actually gives voice to our unique calling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, just the last thing I'll mention on this. There was a, a philosopher in the 1700s who said, the sad reality is that too many men and women will die with the song still in their heart. Hmm. Amanda, I just believe that's like as true, if not more true today than it was hundreds of years ago. And so both out of a passion, you can kind of hear it in me, like my own heart, right? God-given heart is in that direction. But then when I combine my talents with it, the reason why I do this work um, is because facilitator isn't just a nice certification I got. It's not just something I think is cool. It's not just something I make money through and provide for my family. Um, it's actually something I'm called to. Yeah. And, and so my personal calling, um, and it kind of gets boiled down to a statement, right? Like we just get to the core of it. So mine is um, to awaken people's hearts and inspire a greater ending. I love that. It's so true. It's literally what you do every time I'm with you. It's so, Thanks. it's spot Thanks. Thanks. I, I, that's kind. And I, um, I've, I think part of the reason what's encouraging to me about you even saying that is that has become a North star for me. It's become like, 
the ultimate filter where I, I have aligned all of my work around that. And when you clarify your calling, you start saying no to like really good things. Mm, so it's good. In, in the last three years, I mean, I could, we could, I could walk you through three in particular in my mind right now that if I called up these companies or this friend, they would say yes, probably to me fulfilling a certain role in a certain company doing a certain thing. And it sounds really fun in my mind. Like I just start smiling and like, you know, and it'd be awesome, but it's on the target. It's not center bullseye. Yes. Yeah. And so for me, this work is center bullseye to my calling where life plan for me is not just a fun or cool idea. It's actually what I'm called to do. And I have unique talents and hearts that all align um, around this as one of the things that I do being life plan. Yeah. I love that. And when I went into the life plan process with you, I had a basic understanding of what it was because my husband had done it months prior with a different life plan facilitator. And that was awesome to kind of hear and see from his experience and then to go into it. I know for me, one of the things I was really eager uh, just to see, I don't know, I wouldn't say I went into it skeptical, but I was just eager to find out like, what is it going to tell me that I don't already know about myself? Because I felt like I've done a lot of the work. I've done a lot of these assessments. I've gone to therapy. I actually do feel like I know what my calling is to, to some degree at that point in time. And what I, one, you'd mentioned it already, but one of the things that Life Plan really helped me with was I am multi-passionate. And I don't like being put into a box. And so oftentimes I'd be like, well, crap, I feel like my calling could kind of fit with five, these five different roles. Yeah. And I'd, I'd be good at them and I'd make money. And so, so I kind of had like, still, I needed to filter even more. Um, I don't even know the right word, but I needed like an even more narrow filter to like really break it down and to get to like, no, 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 not, not what like is going to be like good. And I'm going to like find fulfillment in it. But like, what am I meant to do while I'm on this earth? And like, what's going to leave the type of legacy that, um, I know God wants for me to leave and, and again, why I'm here. And so, one of the things that you've continued to teach me in my ongoing work with you is how to say no to these quote unquote good distractions. Mm -hmm. Cause there's a lot of things that, um, (laughs) can actually sound really good. They can be good things, but ultimately take me further away from that bullseye, like you described. So Neil, um, we've, you mentioned this already as well, but it's a two day process for me. That two-day process in the the most broad stroke I can give felt like day one was like pour my heart and soul out, most intense therapy ever. (laughs) Truly, I feel like all I did was cry. And day two felt like, okay, more present and future focused. So maybe, maybe it's like therapeutic past. Uh, day one and then day two is like present and future and there's momentum and energy and all of a sudden I feel like I can take on the world. I don't know. That's my broad stroke at what day one and day two felt like to me. Would you walk us through a little bit of the framework so that people who might actually take the next step and do this sort of thing, what, what can they expect from day one, day two? Give us a little insight. Yeah. Um, that's great. And it's always good to hear the reflection back on how it, how it felt. Um, one of the principles behind the process that I really appreciate, um, and it is counterintuitive to how we operate in the Western world. And I think this will highlight some of the difference of day one, day two, and even how the process is laid out. So 
Um, if we were to move from point A to point B, so if you imagine a point kind of on the left, point A, and then a point on the right, point B, and we were to move from point A to point B, um, and we would do it in a straight line, we're valuing speed. And we've often heard like the quickest way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. Okay, well, that's the fastest, right? That values speed. That is a very Western approach. So even with my work with organizations, and I think we do this individually too, is we try to solve problems fast. So we'll take shortcuts. We will do it just faster. We want it as fast as possible. With Tom's work with the Chinese and more of an Eastern way of thinking is if you take the same points, point A and point B, and we start moving from point A and move towards point B, we circle around point B several times. Like we, we just circle around it and we will land at point B. It puts a different value on it, which is perspective. Mm. So if you want the fastest possible solution, the Western approach of a straight line from point A to point B is the best approach. If you want the best, most insightful, deep, clear kind of result, outcome, um, well, then actually the second one is a better approach because we take enough time to actually circle around what could be the potential solution um, and we value perspective. So one of the values embedded in the process is perspective before planning. Mm. And I just think there's so much value in doing that. So we will spend, you know, there's uh, strategic planning where we just start from the current reality and go, here's our goal. Let's move towards it. Well, there's so many things that either trip us up or could help us, but we haven't gained perspective. We haven't clarified what those things are. So when you say day one felt like you know, lots of crying and therapy session, um, a large portion of day one is actually spent on story. And what I'd say about story is for some of us, even if you've done therapy and I've done a good amount of therapy work, um, it was actually, I went through life plan and then did therapy afterwards and it kind of, you know, brought me into it. But um, in the story work, we actually identify um, turning points and these moments in time that turned our life. We all have them and we all have like a good amount of them. They can be positive or negative. They can be as small as somebody giving us an encouraging word and building into us a coach, a teacher, a parent, an older sibling. And they could be words that tore us down. Um, I've done this with um, about around 60 people now over the last you know, handful of years. And so I've heard, I mean, like the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, like the worst scenes of an R-rated movie, abuse of all kinds, eviction notices. I mean, verbal, sexual, physical abuse. I Like people share those things with me, abandonment, all of it. And I've heard like the highest of highs, those moments of you know, meeting a loved one or, you know, a success with work or some meaningful moment with family or something that personally awoke something in you. Um, when we experience highs and lows in our story and don't see the greater mosaic of our story, the full picture, the full painting, it can be devastating. And some of us have been stuck in ruts because we're still living out of one moment of our life. It's mm, good. And so I think what happens, Manda, and maybe what you experienced is um, the way in which we walk through story and spend time on it to gain the perspective from it, we actually ex 
extract themes and learnings. We give chapter headings to our story where we actually like, like some of us get this, but some of us need to pick the pen up again and realize that we're like the authors of our own story, that we're actually writing a story, some of us more intentionally than others. So it actually invites that to say, let's re-explore it and let's pull all of the learnings from our story because we need to take some things with us into the future. Yeah, it's so true. And I love that we're spending some time talking about turning points because you guys, this was one of the most profound things for me is again, I had done all this work. I'd been in therapy. I've told my story what I feel like is a thousand times. I'm actually really open even about some of the hardest pain points in my story. And it was interesting though, again, because the time that is allowed in this process, um, more time than I've ever given to it, especially in one setting, um, it allowed new things to pop up for me. And I'm like, where did that come from? Oh, I guess it is significant. And then what's really cool, Neil, is you already know, and, and just, just a clue, everyone in listening, my unique life calling uh, that came out of this, or my unique life purpose is another way to say it, is to empower the vulnerable and advocate for redemption. So Neil already shared his, and now I'm letting you in on mine, which feels extremely vulnerable, <laughs> but to empower the vulnerable and advocate for redemption. Um, there was so much that we did to get to that statement, which we're, mm. we're not even done going through the process here for you. But what I wanted to say of, about that specific to the turning points is I had never seen my life from uh, my earliest memories were around three to four years old up to the age that I did the life plan at the time was 27 um, or 28. Sorry, <laughs> I forget how old I am. But <laughs> From three to 27, like seeing all laid out with those highs and those lows and putting, like Neil said, the chapter titles on them. Um, what it revealed was I don't just have a heart for redemption because that's like how God's wired me. Redemption is the consistent theme in my story. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the life plan that that was fully illuminated, like that redemption scene, uh, God restore and make all things right again, that, that, that like cycle had been woven throughout my life. Um, even, even before I was on this earth, like in my family history, which was just crazy, but it is so you guys, I just, yeah. Yeah. I'm like lighting up over here because it's so <laughs> profound. It will change. It will change your life. It's so cool. It's Man, it's so cool to hear you kind of recount that. And your calling statement is beautiful and it um, it's active, like it's being lived out now that even your audience, I'm sure as they hear that go, oh, that makes so much sense. And I think for a lot of people, what happens is um, one of the themes of life plan, the reason for story is, um, is purpose, like some of our greatest purpose actually comes out of pain, if we'll allow it to. And for some of us, we've actually gotten stuck in the pain and we've never seen it through a lens of, I went through that and that can actually be used in the future for a greater purpose. And so a lot of times that even comes out of uh, the story work that we do. So story, we spend a good amount of time day one. And the other thing we do day one is we actually get clear about the unique talents that I was just mentioning and then heart. And the reason why I think you feel like it was a, you know, full day kind of intense therapy session, which by the way, just the caveat, I'm not a therapist. I have no desire to be a therapist. Um, but, you know, part of my calling to awaken people's hearts, it's if you're going to talk about the heart space and tap into it, you're going to have tears come from it when you actually do it. And some of us, you know, just experience and know what that's like. When we name unique talents and give 
voice to them. And something important about this process is it's actually all written on large note charts. So it's so you see it. And one of the other principles behind the process is make truth visible. Mm. Have you ever had a conversation with a friend where you talk about something true or they remind you about something and you have a moment where you're just like, oh, that's that was so good. Like, you know, and then you walk away and you feel connected to that person. And then two days, three days later, you forget about it. Yeah. Part of that is like, we just, I think the way we're wired up, we need to realize it, voice it, but we also need to see it. It needs to be visible for us. So there's something about it being written down, you know, that feels almost like an ancient practice in the kind of a digital age. Um, but it's like receiving that handwritten note. There's something meaningful about it. So we actually write it. And when you see your unique talents, I have had people just have moments. And, and a common thing is like, people are like, Yes. Like, like they just get real excited. I've heard people say like, I really like that person, mm-hmm. you know, or like, that's awesome because it just something an assessment can't quite capture is the resonance inside when you name truth. Right. And then the heart space um, entertains questions. We just don't entertain. We we just don't slow down long enough to sit with them, to actually engage our heart in a meaningful way but it's a necessary part if we're going to understand our unique purpose. So people are trying to solve this by sitting down and writing a mission statement. That's point A to point B in a straight line. This is two days and this is only day one where we slow it down long enough to engage heart. And so we do that day one, which is part of why I think the emotions flow. Absolutely. And I think you're kind of taking us here already, but I just want to say that what I think is also so unique about life plan is it's not just you're getting this um, statement or mission or calling, whatever, whatever word you want to use for your life in terms of career. Like when I say that my unique life purpose is to empower the vulnerable and advocate for redemption, that wasn't just like, oh, that's, that means you need a job that you can do that in. It was like, this is what you, Manda, are created to do on this earth. And so what Life Plan does that I think is so unique is it takes kind of all these categories of your life, right? Your personal, the vocation, the spiritual, like you break it down into all these um, almost like micro categories. And it's like, here's how that's going to be lived out in all these ways. I guess I just yeah. love that it wasn't just career focused. Yeah, um, yeah. But that it like in it embodied the wholeness of our existence, yeah. Which I don't think a lot of uh, programs do. They kind of it's like cat. It's it's very much in one space, and and a lot of times that's career or vocation. Right. It's it's holistic, um, absolutely, Amanda. And it's um, the five domains of life: so personal, family, vocational, community, spiritual community. And regardless of where people are at with their faith, so somebody might listen to this and just because you know, we are, or Tom, you know, became a Christian, it, you don't have to be a Christian to go through this process and get the benefit from it. So spiritual community isn't Christian community. It's whatever your faith is, even somebody who comes in this process as an atheist, I believe would still get a lot out of this process. Absolutely. So just to kind of, just to name that, but um, yeah, it is, it is, um, it is something that uh, is holistic. And just a quick uh, story on that. Talents talents aren't just reserved for work. That's one of the, like, the great myths of our day, I believe. And so it's, it's, um, it's just created dormant parents and it's created like really terrible friends 
and uh, and work is like the bucket we pour ourselves into and we have nothing left when we get home. I'm like, I'm super passionate about this. Hmm. Um, oh, and it's great. Keep going. Okay. So, um, and I, I think some of the reason why that's the case is because um, a paycheck becomes the reward and we've never experienced our kids just laughing on the floor and the joy and return on investment of doing that. And yet it's like, when I get buried in the grave, my net worth is going to be the same as Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon, who any given day is the wealthiest man in the world. So why in the world would I spend all of my, the best of what I've been given and steward it only in the direction of work, thinking a paycheck is it? I think paycheck is in service of people. Anyway, I could go down a rabbit trail right now. But um, one thing, one story I want to highlight real quick, because I think it's kind of fun, is um, we picked up, this is a few years ago, our oldest Lottie, who was in first grade at the time, we picked her up from school and our whole family was in the car. Caitlin, my wife was in the passenger seat, and my other two kids in the car. And, you know, we're like, Lottie, how was your day? She's sitting right behind me behind the driver's seat. And she was like, terrible. I'm like, oh, here we go. Right. First grade, first grade drama. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, Lottie, why was it terrible? And she was like, well, because a boy on the playground told me I wasn't beautiful. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, right. Like punch to the dad gut. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And it's like time stood still. And I remember thinking, I'm just going to tell her boys are stupid. And then I'm like, no, I don't think that's a good plan. I don't really want to plant that seed. It's not totally true. And then I'm like, <laughs> I'll just tell her like, um, Lottie, don't worry about boys until you're in your thirties. And I'm like, that'll solve some other you know, of my worries, but you know, not probably helpful here. And then all of a sudden in this moment, when I just slowed down enough, but I believe from the clarity of understanding my unique talents, I said, hey, Lottie, let me ask you a question. She said, yeah, dad. And I said, what is true? And there was a pause. And she said, that I am beautiful. I was like, Lottie, that's absolutely true. And you're going to go through life. And there will be moments where people tell you things that are not true. And we always have to come back to know and remember what is true because you are beautiful. And Caitlin turns to me with that eyebrow raise, like, what the hell was that? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Totally like, where did that come from? What happened to boys are stupid? Like, why, why didn't, why'd you like divert from the playbook? And I just realized in that moment, Amanda, and that question has stayed with us for the last three years in moments, even with our girls fighting or, you know, it's like, you're stupid. It's like, hey, 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 like, what is true about your sister? Right? Like, what is true? Mm -hmm. And I realized that my prophetic guide talent, right? There was an insight I was given in that moment, if I'll just pay attention and I, and I know that it's my unique contribution, even to my family. Um, that talents just, they're not just reserved for work. They're for the benefit of your family. And similar to if you invest them in work, there's a return. If you invest them in your community, you know, in your church, in your family, there's going to be a return on investment. And I think that return is greater than the paycheck is the point. Absolutely. Yeah. That's such a beautiful story, pun intended. Um, <laughs> because, you know, I love the part about truth. Um, the the world itself, the the people, sin, just everything in the world is going to constantly try to take us away from what is true, true of ourselves, true about God, true of others. And so there, there's a lesson in it about truth, right? And then there's the the lesson that I think you're trying to highlight, especially, which is just that the life plan, what it taught you about yourself and your unique uh, life purpose 
is not just being used as you facilitate this for other people, but it's being used with your kids. It's being used in your marriage. It's being used in your friendships. Yeah. And, and I have totally found that to be true. In fact, I'll just interject with my own short, short story here. You and I are both super passionate about this at this point. So we could just go on for hours and um, (laughs) maybe we'll just have to do a part three, but Eric and I were just assessing 2020. Okay. So we pulled out our end of 2019 notebook where we had done, um, our goals and our word for the year. And just, we had, we do this specific assessment. We rate things, we add up the scores and anyways, it's, it's really fun for us. So we were doing that for 2020 in preparation for 2021. And my 2020 was abundantly more rich. There's no other way to put it than my 2019. Which is odd because 2019 had way more high points. 2019, I uh, we bought a house, we gained more kids, we I signed a book deal. Um, like everything to the world's eyes was going right. Uh, and then 2020, yes, I experienced the miracle of pregnancy, which I'm so thankful for, and that's a huge high. But other than that, like I lost my book deal. One of our kids left our home in March. Um, it was just like hard. There was a lot, and then COVID and everything else. How was it that 2020 was so much more rich? Why did it score so much higher in these assessments that Eric and I uh, were kind of filtering through? And what it came down to was despite some of those lows and hardships, I still had rated just my own personal satisfaction in each of the categories so much higher. And when Eric asked me like, well, why did, why did health go up so many points? Why do you think that is? It wasn't, oh, I worked out more. I was like, I had a replenishment cycle that Neil helped me identify using life plan. And that replenishment Mm. cycle didn't just add health to my exercise regimen. It was about so much more than that. It was sleep time with Mm. my family, all these things. So Neil really quickly, before I go down a rabbit trail, can you speak to the replenishment cycle? Because that was a really profound part of the life plan for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, I'd love to share that, uh, briefly. And, um, a a purposeful and intentional life is not built on circumstances. Amen. Right? So I like I just I have to throw that in there because I think a lot of us think it is when we buy a house and do all the things you're saying, and I just think it's different. Um, yeah, replenishment cycle um, just briefly gets at what refuels us. So what replenishes us? Um, what keeps our tank full? And a lot of us think it's vacations and sleep, which it's actually not. Um, so you come back from a vacation feeling like you need a vacation. There's things that needs to hit on. There's physical, emotional, intellectual, spiritual, and other ways in which we're wired up that we need to identify and get really clear about. We need to get clear about what the activities are that replenish us. And again, there's some uniqueness to it and the frequency in which we need to engage them. So in the personal domain, independent of others, right? So we need other people. I'm not saying we don't. I'm just saying there are things that a lot of us, especially driven type A personalities, we just go so hard so fast um, and we don't pay attention enough to the things that replenish us. So we identified what those were, Amanda, um, and that's one of the tools and exercises, you know, day two, along with some of the other assessments that brings clarity to key aspects of living life with purpose and with intentionality. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that everyone listening hears just the repeated theme here that that the life plan process that you go through when you decide to do this, it is 
extremely, extraordinarily unique to you. This is not a um, like factory model, one size fits all. Um, the process itself, there, there's process to it and and structure, but like what you get out of it, the the talents that are identified, the heart that is identified, the replenishment cycle that you kind of put together, um, all of that is is extraordinarily unique to you personally. And it truly is incredible and has been life-changing. And and I love that you pointed that out, Neil, that I think it came down to why was my 2020 so much more rich than my 2019? Well, because it wasn't about the circumstances. It was about the fact that I had begun to live with enormous intentionality and purpose. And I felt like I was so in my lane, not just coming to like the career, but like in all things that um, I was living out, you know, what it looked like for me to follow Jesus. And I just want to point that out too, for people that are Christians listening, um, because I think we could all be like, well, our, our life calling simple. I'm, I'm, we need to follow Jesus. I, and I agree with that. Like, I want to follow Jesus. That is like, definitely like on a broad level, like what I feel like I'm called to do on this earth. And hopefully anybody who's following the Lord, like that's how you feel. But again, like God didn't just put you here and said, follow Jesus. And like, that was it. Like, God uniquely wired us. So like the life plan takes you down this journey of like discovering, okay, well, how can I best follow Jesus? How can I make the greatest impact for God's kingdom? And so I just had to throw that in there, but, and I know we're like already going to go over time, but that's okay because this is so good. Um, I wanted to ask you too, Neil, to just speak for a moment to like, when, when we get this life plan towards the end of it, for me, we chose 2022 when I would be turning 30 and we said, we, we actually wrote out. So like you said, this whole thing, you have these big sticky chart papers all over the room. It's so cool. Cause you're, you're seeing it, you're going through it all at once. And for personal family vocation and community and spiritual community, we kind of wrote out like in September of 2022, I will be 30. And, and then it was written as if it, it were true. Like, these are the things that will be true, that are true. Mm-hmm. Um, that was extremely profound because we wrote it in such a way that it's like, I'm not predicting the future. Uh, I'm not um, controlling. Like, I didn't, for example, just to be really specific, I didn't write down for family in 2022, I will be 30 and Eric and I will have four children and their names will be blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like that's no, like that would be missing the point. Right. But it was, it was interesting. Cause we did say that, um, for me, for family, I wrote, I'm prioritizing my family over productivity. I'm connecting with Eric and my kids intentionally. We have permanent children in our life. Okay. So I didn't say we have biological children. I didn't say we have adopted children. Like it, we left it where it, it will be true and it could be true. And I just thought it was so cool where we didn't put God in a box. We didn't try to play God. And yet all of these things that you do over these two days leads you to be able to have a plan that you can say in X amount of years, in a couple of years, whatever that looks like, this is what I hope to be true of my life. Like I'm almost like mm-hmm. a mirror. I don't know. I just think it's so, um, Cool. And now I forget what exactly I was going to ask you. But um, before we get into people want to know some logistics, obviously they now know it's a two-day time commitment. Mm-hmm. Who is this for and what does that investment look like? Yeah. 
<clears throat> that's a great question. And, um, and just to, just to wrap up um, that portion, you were speaking to the vision exercise. Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion in you. And a lot of us don't have that. We don't have that picture of the future. And I would, I just encourage, man, the thing you're speaking to as a Christian, I believe that um, we're made in God's image. And if we're made in God's image, and as we follow him, then the desires of our heart can become more closely aligned to the desires of his heart. And so it's not to play God, but it is to say we can actually discern through and name things that bring him honor um, and their desires of our heart, you know, and, and it talks about that in scripture too, that, um, you know, that he, when we follow him and we trust him, he gives us the desires of our heart. Well, I think that's because they're aligned to his, but um, day two is a lot of planning. So when you say day one felt like, you know, a lot of emotions and all that. I get that. It is that way for some people. It's not that way for others. So I just want people to hear too that everyone's at a different place. Some people have done therapy work, some heaven who come into the process. Day two is planning. And so there's a lot of like more discovery of who you are, how you're wired up. There's literally an internal wiring tool, a thinking wavelength tool, how you think, this replenishment tool. We do a time assessment and literally look at a breakdown of the analysis of time. We go through vision exercise after we clarify calling, strategies, what are the main things that influence our vision, and then from all the perspective work, we actually vet vocational or volunteer opportunities. And a lot of people make vocational decisions without that clarity, and I think that's why they're so dissatisfied, is because it isn't aligned to some things, and what this process does is it either affirms your current role, or if you're feeling some tension or dissatisfaction, or like, yeah, it's okay for now. Or some people come in like, I hate what I'm doing and I need to figure out what's next, what is next. Um, this will not only clarify what's next, but it'll clarify why, why you need to move on or why the thing you're doing is right, just to kind of name that. And then we put together a plan at the very end. So who this is for, even as I say all that, are people who are at the point of their journey where they're searching for more, they're searching for purpose. And so I believe that, like I said before, life plan um, would be helpful for everyone, just not everyone's ready for it. So I believe it's for us because everyone has a unique purpose. I just think some are more willing to discover that and they're on that journey of searching to discover that and wanting to live life more intentionally and purposefully. So if that's somebody listening and go, oh my goodness, everything you're saying, like just there's a feeling inside me like that's what I want then like life plan absolutely is for you. And some people, they go, that sounds nice. And they just keep going through their life the way they're living it. I don't know that they're ready for it. Mm, yeah. I love yeah. that. I mean, thank you so much for all of this information, but specifically, I love that we, you've kind of in as much of a concise way as possible, walked people through what to expect in the two-day life plan process, because I am always so passionate about it. And like, I want everyone to do it. And I just want to like grab them by the shoulders and shake them and be like, <laughs> just trust me. It's worth your investment. Just trust me. Yeah. But like, I never know where to begin. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so much. Like I, it's just, it's just yeah. a lot. Um, so when I, you know, want to shake people and say, just trust me, I, I truly tell them I would pay double what I paid to do mm -hmm. it again. Like it's worth every bit. Mm -hmm. And that's a question that people are constantly asking me is like, yeah. well, how much, how much is it? You know, yeah. and I want to be like, just don't worry about the numbers. Like the value is yeah. like unbelievable. But Neil, give us a little bit to, can you speak a little bit to the investment? Because people do want to know. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, I know people may want like an exact number and I like, I'm not going to beat around the yeah. bush on that. Um, I also know, and from my background that when people get a number, if I were to just throw out a number right now, they would make the decision based on that number. And that would be the main priority. And I actually don't want that to be the case. And the reason I don't want that to be the case is because money is not my highest priority. Yes, this is a very valuable process, just like other things that we invest in. The return is exponential. Um, this is in the thousands. So to give you a sense, this isn't like a, a $200 you know, process over a couple of days. It's thousands of dollars. And it's also not like 10000 or like right. 30000 or the same price as like, you know, a really nice car. Um, but this, so even hearing that it absolutely is an investment. Now I work with people, Amanda, because, um, you know, if I told you every story, I mean, I've, I've done this for people in their sixties. I've done this for people in their twenties. I've done this for people all in between and everybody's at different life stages. Um, some people are married and have a dual income house. Some people are married and have a one income house. Some people lost their job and come into this process, like wanting to figure it out, but not a steady income coming in. Right. I, so I just want to voice all that because I work with people on that side of it. For me, it's, is this something you're interested in and you really want to do knowing it's going to be thousands of dollars? Like there's no way around that just because of, you know, the investment for everyone in it. Um, uh, but I'll work with people based on their life circumstance and some people, you know, their companies pay for it under like personal development. So that's happened a bunch of times and other people pay out of pocket. Um, so the investment though, we invest in a lot of things. And this is what I want to say to the person listening who feels like, oh my goodness, this sounds amazing, but like, I don't know if I can afford it. I would just encourage you to look at what you invest in because you invest in a lot of things, even if you don't realize it, whether it's your home, whether it's a whole bunch of Starbucks coffees throughout a year, whether it's Guilty. friends, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, same. Um, whether it's um, friends and an investment of time into people. I mean, we invest in all sorts of ways. And here's the one I see that gets missed that I actually think is one of the most absolute valuable investments is an investment into yourself. And so I had, I just chose years and years ago that I was going to invest in who I'm becoming. And that was tied for me, Amanda, to the desire of, I want to give good gifts to my kids that I wasn't given. Mm. And I'm telling you, if I walked you through the return on investment, when I went through life plan, and then when I went through therapy and these decisions I made along the way to invest in myself, like it, it absolutely hands down has been the greatest return on investment of anything I've ever invested in. And I've invested in real estate, you know, rental properties, I've invested in businesses, all of it. And even the business I have now wouldn't have happened had I not gone through life plan. And even the experience of waking up every day, knowing that I'm living life intentionally and with purpose and the impact and ripples that has with my kids and my family and my friends and the people I get to work with, Amanda, it is so deeply satisfying that like the return on that investment to create a life and live a life that's satisfying like that, um, you know, the money starts to not become so important, even if it's a sacrifice at the time, which it was for me when I went through it. I know it is for a lot of people when they go through it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I echo everything you're saying. Um, it's, I I mean, I feel like that's pretty obvious. I can't stop talking about the life plan. I've, I've had a number of people that I've kind of referred to you for it. Like it's, it is worth the investment. And even though it is an investment in ourself, it's not selfish because it ultimately is about so much more than us. Um, but it starts within us. And I think that's what the life plan, uh, really does so well. So you guys, I, um, Neil, thank you for your time and just showing up and being so generous to kind of come again and share in much more detail so that people could have clarity and make an informed decision for themselves. Um, to all of you listening, thank you for the questions that you send in after different episodes, because it really, I am always open to feedback. And so when you say things to me like, loved and appreciated this, uh, however, would have liked more of X, Y, and Z. I take that to heart. I really want you to hear me say that. Um, I listened to that and that is why an episode like this came about as well. So uh, continue to share your feedback, leave a review, um, just continue to help us um, build a longer table by sharing this with people you love and care about. So thank you for listening. 